0: All right, so today we're gonna be talking about tools of the brand. Now, we've been learning a lot this week about cowboys in the West and ranches, but one thing we haven't talked much about is their gear, what they wore. The American cowboy had some very specific jobs to do, and they were doing it in some pretty rough and rugged terrain, and so it was super important that they were outfitted properly, that they had the right tools and you're probably very familiar with some of those, hat, cowboy boots, um, and and other things, but I bet there's some of these things that you don't know what their actual purpose was. You just know what they are, don't understand what they were for. And dressing as a cowboy wasn't really as simple as just putting on a hat and boots. There was a whole lot more to it, and the fashion of the, the Wild West was full of a lot of interesting details. So, um, I'm gonna bring my friend out here, Grant, Let's give Grant a hand. So I met Grant last year, last summer, got to meet him. He was a a counselor with me with our junior high boys. We got to know each other well, and I appreciate everything the contenders are doing. Let's give them all a hand. They're doing great this week. And Grant's job this morning, he doesn't have to talk actually, for this uh for this he just has to stand here and look handsome isn't he doing a great job at that yeah okay okay he's good at that all right so cowboys were outfitted with a lot of different gear sometimes from their employer usually for themselves and it started at the hat or at the top with their hat oftentimes their hat different than than the ones that we're wearing that are more For style their actual hat are like what a lot of you guys got with they'd have a string because as they were riding and the wind would catch it they didn't want it to blow away but they always had the wide brim like that to protect them from the Sun they'd be out working in the elements so to protect them from rain to shield the front of their face from uh, help keeping it from getting sunburned the back of their neck those kind of things and then the bandana um, seems simple like a stylish thing to us today but for cowboys, as they were out riding, and especially when they do a trail drive, they'd, they'd collect a big herd that would be typically down in Texas, uh, sometimes other areas, and they'd drive them north to the railhead where the railroad came in so they could sell their beef. And they do these trail drives, and if you were riding in the back, if you were riding drag on a trail drive with hundreds or even thousands of cattle and horses, imagine how much dust is stirred up. Any of you guys play gaga ball this week? How do we know if somebody's been playing gaga ball? Dust. They are just covered in that dust. Now, that would be the cowboy. Okay? That was the worst job to get riding drag. And so they'd take the bandana, they'd put it up over their mouth so they weren't breathing in the dust. The bandana was also used to wipe sweat uh, or, or blood or sometimes even used as a bandage. So it was very important to have one of those. You wanted to be able to cover your face when it was really dusty. And then you've got the bulk of the outfit, um, the shirt, the pants, um, even the vests and the chaps, they were um, made out of heavy-duty materials, the vests and the chaps especially, because it, cowboys, would, as they were out collecting their cattle, the cattle would be free-range, they'd be out riding in some pretty dense, heavy mesquite, underbrush, and they'd be going out to collect these animals, and they'd be riding through brush that was like right at like trees, thorny trees, that were right at the height of where they were sitting riding through on their horses so this would the vest and the chaps would protect that help protect their bodies from all of these thorns and trees uh, um, and branches that they'd be riding through and they served a few other things of course to keep them warm vests always had lots of pockets you were out for days or weeks at a time And the only thing you had with you is what you could carry. So the vest would be for important stuff, maybe a a stopwatch, uh, matches, things like that. Um, So very important for protection was a lot of that gear. And the chaps themselves, made of leather, they'd have these on them to help the rain, like if it'd be raining, to keep it from flowing down. And if they needed to do some repair, maybe on a saddle or really on anything, these strips, you could tear them off. Um, You could just tear a strip off and use it to do repair on your equipment. And then, of course, the boots. Boots were very important the way they were designed. Number one, they were very heavy-duty, made of leather. They needed to hold up. And then they were made with pointed toes so they could slip easily in and out of the stirrups with a heel on the back that was raised to keep the foot from sliding through the stirrup. If you were on a horse that was kind of wild and crazy, if you got bucked off, if that horse got spooked, whatever, you didn't want your foot slipping through that stirrup, because that was, you were dead, right? The horse would take off, it'd drag you, so the heel helped your, your boot from sliding through that stirrup. Had very important, um, uses. And then if you know anything about a cowboy boot, covered by uh, Grant's pants here, but they come up pretty high, right? And that was to keep debris and stuff from the branches and everything they're riding through. Bless you. To Keep that from falling into their shoes, right? So they'd be high and they'd be covered by the pants. And then lastly, do you want to turn and show them? We got some real authentic stirrups from my friend who's a cowboy, uh, not stirrups, <laughs> spurs. Um, <clears throat> the spurs were important for controlling your horse. As you notice, the cowboys carrying a rope, oftentimes they were working with their hands as they're riding the horse. And a lot of people look at those and they're sharp, they look like they're, they're there to abuse that animal, and that's not the case at all. The cowboy wouldn't, a good cowboy wouldn't just slam them into the side of their horse, they would just use slight pressure to turn the animal in a well-trained horse could be ridden without using the reins at all. And to know what to do just by slight pressure in their sides. So, cowboy had a lot of important gear that was for very specific reasons. A lot of it having to do with their own physical, personal protection. All right, now, lots of other things we'll talk about. Grant, thank you, did a great job. Let's give him a hand. (laughs) He looks like a cowboy, doesn't he? Nice and authentic. these guys were working some pretty intense jobs. And there were a lot of other tools that they would carry with them. Of course, the saddle, there's a lot of equipment there that they would have. They would have a bedroll. They would often have a long coat in the, the colder months to keep them warm. Rope, hoof uh, pick, a branding iron, uh, a knife, a uh, rifle, a six-shooter, a revolver. All things that enabled them to do their jobs well. And dealing with bad weather and stampedes and rustlers and thieves, cactus, branches, thorns, wild animals, it was a job for strong men. You had to be tough. If you weren't, you got weeded out pretty quick. And they knew what their job was and they understood the dangers. And so it was important to make sure that they were well equipped to get that job done. And in a way, they were similar to how Paul describes the life of a Christian, but with some clear differences. We've been given a job to do, and we've been provided with the tools that we need to do that job and to get it done. So let me show you what I mean. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And if you forgot your Bible, or if it's over there in the lost and found table, which there are a lot of them, borrow a friend's Bible. Read along with them, okay? Ephesians, sorry, Ephesians chapter 6. We will be reading verses 10 down through verse 18. Follow along. Ephesians 6, verses 10, and just follow as we read. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Now, Paul is getting to the end of his letter to the church at Ephesus. And, and so he begins to wrap things up, and he has some challenges for them that he goes through. He says that, that first challenge, be strong, right? After he's just spent the whole letter reminding them of their gift of salvation, of that of they're the writing for the brand, challenging them to be unified in Christ, to be brand brothers, encouraging them to live as children of the light, to represent God and do it well. He says this, finally, be strong strong. Be strong. Paul certainly knows the difficulty of being a Christ follower, right? If you don't know about the story of Paul's life, read through the book of Acts, and you're going to see some really tough things that that guy went through living for Jesus. He experienced all kinds of things because he was representing Jesus with his life and with his words. He knew how hard it was to be a messenger for Jesus. He understood how hard it is to be an ambassador for Jesus, and because he was doing it every single day. So he says to them, be strong. This is what you should be doing as well, so be strong. He knows that many people won't agree with him. Many won't like his message. And more than that, he understands the spiritual battles that we face when writing for brand Jesus. He knew that people were against him, and even worse than that was the knowledge that Satan was against him. The enemy of God was against what he was doing. Now, Pastor Aaron is going to talk more about that very thing tonight. So, we're not going to spend a lot of time in those verses. We're going to learn and talk tonight about ways that Satan opposes followers of Christ. So knowing all of this, Paul was telling his brothers in Christ to be strong. right? Be strong. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. But how does he say it? If you underline or mark in your Bible, if you highlight, highlight these words. right? How does he say it? Be strong. This is the important part. Be strong in the Lord, and in His mighty power. Not in your own strength, not in who you are, but in His mighty power. This kind of, as I was studying through this, reminded me of my first time being a counselor here at camp. It was a long time ago. It was junior high camp, and one of my campers was my brother Tim. I was counseling my brother in junior high camp, and it was an interesting week. And we had a great group of guys, and this was the first time I had ever had a chance to do the zip line. How many of you got a chance to do the zipline this week? Nice. Hopefully some of the rest of you will get a chance today. So we had a good group of guys. We had one guy that was with us. There was this little guy, and he was kind of scared of everything. And he was not going to do the zipline. And so our whole cabin, we were, they were encouraging him, trying to talk him into it. Me the same way. Encouraging him, trying to talk him into it. And then it's our turn to go, and we get up to the top. One thing you need to know about me Is I'm not a a huge fan of heights I've done it I have made myself do some things go to some high buildings do some hikes in the mountains do some things but I don't love it at all so I always volunteer to take the pictures up there on the zip line but um, we get up there and we finally get this little guy to go and now it's my turn and I get out on the end of that plank and I'm not such a big fan of this anymore, right? But I couldn't not go because of all this stuff that I'd said to this little guy about being tough, being brave. Just, you know, just go for it. And so finally, you know, I got the encouragement from the, the, the helpers in the back. Just, just take one more step, one more step. Get to the end, you know, just a little step off. Just sit down. Have, have any of you heard that? Just sit down and, okay, so that's what I did. I sat down. And it worked i sat down and slid off and it's a pretty fast ride right once you get going you're like oh this isn't so bad and it goes by pretty fast but in that time i had enough time to think of a few things i realized about halfway down i wasn't actually sitting down i was holding myself up by that red strap like it was all upper body and as i'm going down i'm realizing i'm not going to make it i'm not going to make it and that's when it dawned on me I'm not holding myself up. I'm doing this and I'm safe and I'm going down, but it's not actually through my power. No matter how much I thought I'm the one holding me up, wasn't me. I relaxed, sat down in that that strap and enjoyed the rest of the trip down because I I understood I can't do it myself and no matter how hard I try, I would fail if I didn't have the power of that harness holding me up. It was That that was giving me the strength to make it down that zip line. Now the truth is that you need to understand is that God doesn't adopt us. God doesn't make us His sons. God doesn't send us out into battle and say, you're on your own. Just do it yourself. I had a camper last night come and talk to me. He said, I was listening yesterday and and I really struggle with my temper. With controlling it. How can I do better? How can I do better at that? And it starts with, and this is what we talked about, it starts with recognizing it's not just something you're doing, it's something that God is working through you. So go to Him first, right? He recognized the problem. Now, ask God for help. Go to Him in prayer. We're going to talk about some of these tools that He gives us. So He tells us to be strong because He is with us. And He has given us every tool we need to represent Him well. And then He uses the... Example of a Roman soldier to try to explain it. So, first one there, write it down. Page 15, number one. He says, The belt of truth. What does he say? Stand firm with the belt of truth around your waist. For the Roman soldier, when you saw Grant, he had a belt on. It wasn't a a huge part of his outfit. It was, you know, it was doing some good. The modern cowboy, what do they have? Giant belt buckle, right? It's decorative. The belt for the cowboy wasn't nearly as big of a thing as it was for the Roman soldier. For a Roman soldier, the belt was critical because that's where all the armor would attach and keep it held firm. And Paul is saying the truth is that important. As a follower of Christ, truth must be how we think. Christ followers must be truth-speaking people to ourselves and then to others. And it starts with knowing that our strength to even fight comes from Jesus. Flip back a page or two, depending on your Bible. Flip back to Ephesians 4. Paul said it this way. Ephesians 4, verse 21. He says, Surely you heard of him and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. Jesus himself said it in John fourteen six. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is who he is. Jesus is our standard for truth. He is how we know who God is. He is how we can be made right with God. This truth is so important to know because everything else that we talk about is based on the truth of who Jesus is, of who God is, and the truth of his word. So what does that mean for you? It means there will be times when you're afraid, when you have doubts. But the truth is that you are a Christ follower. You are a son of God. And God has promised that he has a purpose for every one of you. He loves you. He has a plan for you. So don't listen to Satan's lies. They're going to come. Don't listen to your own lies. You're going to be telling yourself lies about who you are. Remember the truth of God's promises. What are some of those lies that, that Satan might tell or that we tell ourselves? Maybe you've put your faith in Jesus. You've repented of your sins, and you keep sinning, right? Welcome to the club. That's who we are, having born, been born with a sinful nature. And you're afraid God doesn't love you because of it. And that's a lie. How do I know that? We sang about this last night. You can flip over to Romans chapter 8 or just follow along. This is the promise we have in Christ. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you're a son of God, not even you can separate yourself from the love of Christ. Nothing. And that is the truth. So do what Paul says in Philippians. Think on that which is true. Hopefully, you'll have a chance to talk about that in your discussion. Think on what's true. Coming to Jesus, believing in Jesus, trusting in Jesus is the truth that we're to live every single day. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness it says there in verse 14, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. For the Roman soldier, the breastplate covered all of the vulnerable areas, most of them anyway, covered the chest to protect it against assaults and arrows. Righteousness that comes from God protects us when we're riding for Jesus, when we're living for Him. Now, there are a couple types of righteousness that we want to talk about. The first type of this righteousness is what Pastor Aaron talked about on Wednesday when we talked about imputation, saving righteousness. It is the righteousness of Jesus, the work of God where He takes our sin debt and He credits us with Christ's righteousness. And that's not a righteousness that I need to put on. It's not It's something that I already have if I'm a follower of Christ. I have a right standing before God because of what Jesus has done. We're talking about living as children of the light. One of my favorite songs is a song called, My Worth is Not in What I Own. And it's because specifically this line says this, To wonders here I confess my worth and my unworthiness. I am totally unworthy on my own. I fail, I'm a sinner. You too. That's who you are. But then it says, my value's fixed, my ransom paid at the cross. In Jesus, you have value to God because he has given you the worth of Christ. He loves you. Paul is talking also here about an everyday righteousness that comes with being a new creation. He's talking about holy living. How do we know this? Turn back again to Ephesians 4 says this, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its sinful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He's reminding of this truth. You've been made new. Live the righteousness that you've been created and saved to live. God wants you to know this is how we protect ourselves. Paths lead to places, and the choices that you make today and every day impact your future. You can't just live however you want, put yourself in any circumstance, listen to whatever you want, watch whatever you want, surround yourself by horrible situations, and then expect everything to go well. It's not going to happen. You can't just do that so you're a new creation through the power of God, live like it. Number three, gospel shoes. Verse 15 says, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now this week, maybe we should be calling them gospel boots, right? We looked at for cowboys, the right kind of footwear was very important for their job. Shoes are important. The right kind of shoes are important. A few years ago, we took uh, our group of our high schoolers out to Montana on a missions trip, uh, we were privileged to work on the Blackfeet Reservation in northern Montana, work with a bunch of, of Blackfeet kids, love them, share the gospel with them. We went up a day early, and we were able to take a hike up in the mountains, about a 10-mile hike. And I've done a lot of hiking. I made very clear, like, the shoes that you wear today are really important. You gotta Hiking boots would be a good idea if nothing else, wear tennis shoes. We're not wearing slides. We're not wearing sandals. And we had one girl, thought she knew better. And her dad told her the same thing. You've you got to wear your tennis shoes. She wore uh, some sandals. And we did this hike. By the time she got back, I've never seen blisters that big. It was unreal. She chose the wrong kind of footwear for the job that she was doing and suffered for a couple weeks because of it. Shoes are important. Soldiers especially must have the right kind of footwear. And what does Paul say our feet should be fitted with? Gospel shoes. Right? With the gospel. Paul is basically saying, as Christ followers, you should always be ready to share the gospel. You remember on Wednesday when we were talking about being a brand rep? That's what Paul is saying here. You're an ambassador for Christ. You're a messenger. And your message is the gospel. You carry the message of reconciliation. Pastor Aaron talked about it last night. Go in God's power. He gives you the power to do it. You're doing it in His strength. Wear the gospel shoes. And sometimes it's really scary to talk about our faith, to share it with others. We're afraid of what our friends might say. We're afraid of what they think. Maybe we're scared to mess it up. We don't think we'll have the right words, have the right plan, know what to say. But Paul's reminding us, your job is to be a messenger, so do it. Be faithful. You're going to be afraid. That's okay. You might mess up. That's okay. Because that's not what gives you your worth. You don't have to succeed for God to love you. Your worth is already found in Christ. So be faithful. Be strong in the Lord. Tell people about Jesus. Okay, next one. Number four Shield of Faith. Verse 16, he says this In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Satan is attacking. Your own sinful desires are attacking your ability to live for Christ. We're in a spiritual warfare, and the arrows are going to come arrows of doubt, doubt in the goodness of God, arrows of temptation, temptation to lie to get angry, to disobey. Arrows of fear. Fear of what others might think or fear of it doing what's right. There will be all kinds of arrows. And Paul never says that following Jesus is going to make all of your problems magically disappear. That you will have an easy life, that uh, all the bad stuff is gone. And you need to know that. Because if that's what you expect you're going to be sadly disappointed. You need to know the truth. There is nothing the enemy hates more than someone who is writing for Jesus, living for Jesus, and that's when he's going to attack you. Be ready. Be ready with your shield of faith. Faith that God's word is true. Faith that God is who he says he is. Faith in the everlasting, all-powerful, all-knowing God. Faith that he will do what he has promised he will do. Now, you guys met my youngest, Finn, yesterday. <clears throat> and you guys have been great with him this week. A, a bunch of you all, 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 ta- all over. Been really kind to him, including him, playing with him. And that's awesome. And I want to tell you a story about Finn. Because sometimes you're going to be out of answers and out of control. Meaning, like, things are out of your control. And as guys, we hate that. We want to be in control. We want to know the answers. We want to be able to control the situation. And when Finn, before Finn was born, um, my wife, Atrease, was having a, a difficult pregnancy. She was having to go in for lots and lots of checkups. And they had her on medication, wanted her to be resting, um, monitoring it all, and, and just, just to keep Finn healthy. He was having, he was having a hard time right, and, uh, and so I was out of town for work, I was about two hours away, and I got a phone call from Teresa's phone, from her, her name popped up on my phone, I answer it, it's not her, it's, it's the doctor, wanting to know where I'm at, and saying, hey, don't worry, it's not a big deal, but she came in for a checkup today, right, and as soon as the doctor starts talking, <laughs> doesn't matter what they say of it not being a big deal, right, not a big deal, um, but we just want to bring her down to the hospital for more checkup uh, or for more tests, and and it should be okay. Um, so I was with a coworker. I'm like, hey, we got to get going. So we got in the car. We start heading back, and I'm gonna meet her at the hospital. Was going to have the coworker just swing me by the the office where she'd had her checkup, so we could pick up the car, be down at the hospital after she got checked up, then we could we could drive home. We're just getting back close to Des Moines. I got another phone call. The doctor was like, where are you at? You need to get here now. We're going to have to take the baby now. And this is weeks, weeks before he was supposed to be born. Um, I've never felt so out of control in my life. And not knowing what to do. I couldn't do anything about it. And my coworker, fortunately, was driving because I'm on the phone with my parents, with her parents, with our pastor, um, just, you know, sharing with them saying, please pray for us. I'm praying. I'm not knowing what to do. I'm all out of answers. And sometimes it's just your faith in God. That's the only thing that gets you through. I don't know what I would have done in that situation without the knowledge that in spite of all of this, in spite of the fact that I could do nothing, that I could do nothing to help the situation and that it was out of my control. To know that God was in control and that no matter what happened, whether my wife didn't make it, whether Finn didn't make it, or whether it all went well, and he was born way early, but healthy, and my wife as well, No matter what happened, God was in control and He had a plan. And so you're going to face difficult times. And it's during those times that you can turn back to the truth of who God is and the faith that you have in Him to do what He says He will do that will carry you through it. Our faith helps when we're afraid and confused and overwhelmed and troubled. And it's our faith in God that through his mighty power, he will carry us through those difficult situations, no matter the results, no matter what happens. Number five, helmet of salvation. We'll buzz through these quick. Now, cowboy hat was pretty helpful. Kept the rain out of your face, the sun off your your face, your neck. Looked pretty cool, right? It's a pretty cool, stylish thing. But it didn't really compare to the value of a good helmet. Headgear that actually protected (laughs) the head and the brain. So the helmet of salvation. God's people are to put on the hope that they have in Christ. Our hope is in Him. He is our salvation. To resist Satan, we must be assured of that. Our hope is in Jesus. So if you're trusting Him, don't listen to Satan's lies that are going to come into your head. Say to the evil one, say to those thoughts, I'm a new person in Christ. Preach truth to yourself. I've been redeemed. I've been forgiven. I've been adopted into God's family. I know who I am. I'm not God's enemy anymore. I'm God's son. That's who I am. So put that helmet of salvation on. Don't let Satan get into your head. Right? Over and over we're reminded in this passage that our strength is not in ourselves. Our strength comes from God, and that's a truth that everything is grounded in. His righteousness, faith in who He is, our helmet of salvation that we have in Christ. Now, we've talked about a lot of protective, defensive type stuff. We're going to talk about a final piece of equipment. that's an offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit. Now, if Paul was writing to cowboys, he might have said it differently, right? might have said, get out your six-shooter, get out your Colt revolver, something like that, right? But guns hadn't been invented yet. And the best offensive weapon that people were familiar with was the sword. Both offensive and defensive. Sword of the Spirit, verse 17, it says this, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Write that down. Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. A follower of Jesus must take up his sword and engage the enemy when he's facing all of these struggles. And Paul identifies that as the Word of God, which is alive is powerful. It exposes and it teaches truth. It helps us control our thoughts and our actions. Jesus is the best example we can have on this. What did he do when being tempted by Satan? What did he do? He quoted scripture. He used the word of God. He knew the Bible and he used it to expose Satan's lies. That's what you need to be doing. We can learn a very important lesson from Jesus. The only way we can use that weapon effectively is to actually know it, to read it, to study it. That's why church is so important. Go there and learn the Word of God under people who love God and want to teach it to you. Read the Word of God on your own. Study it. God wants you to know. He wants you to know this truth. You are not alone. He is there for you, first and foremost. He's provided every tool you need. He's provided a group of people around you, your age and adults, that love you. Don't ride alone. Ride for the brand. Ride for Jesus. Live for Jesus. In the strength of God, do it. So, guys, last time we're going to talk, be strong. Be real men. Be godly men. Live for Him and do it in the power of the Lord. Do it in His strength. Through faith, live for Him. Let's pray. God, You alone can give us the strength to deal with the difficulties of life. To deal with hard things that are going to happen. To deal with loss. To deal with pain. To deal with others who are unkind. To deal with our own sin and our own sin nature, our own temptations to live for ourselves. Only you, Lord, can do that. Only you, God, can save. So I pray today for every one of these guys out here, Lord. For those those who have not yet trusted you, God. Those who have not yet surrendered to you in faith and repentance. Lord, save them. Do a work in their heart. Don't let them have any peace until they surrender to you. God, for the rest of these guys who have put their faith in you, Help them to take the next step in what it means to, in in what you have for them, what it means to live for you. To put their faith in you, to start telling others about you, to trust in you, Lord, to live for you and represent you well. Thank you for these guys. Thank you for these counselors. Thank you for our time together, Lord. We pray that you be glorified in the remainder of our time here today. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.